the financial dads are not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, tax or other advice in or by virtue of this podcast. Hello, welcome to the Financial Dads Podcast. This podcast is for all the moms and dads out there who struggle with life's topics, especially related to family and finances. Now, here's my dad, Paul Fagan. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Financial Dads Podcast. Today, we welcome Vance Lowe, CEO of Private Banking Strategies. With over 40 years in the financial industry, Vance has extensive knowledge in the financial arena, extending far beyond his numerous accreditations, honors, and accolades. For over two decades, Vance owned and operated a successful money management firm. He now funds millions into private banking entities every year. Vance has established himself as a go-to person in the industry because of his extensive knowledge and understanding of the infinite banking strategies. As a husband and father, Vance has a passion to help other families establish their own private banking strategies and become financially independent and free. Vance, welcome to the show. Thank you, Paul. It's such a pleasure to be on your show. I've really been looking forward to it ever since we got the first opportunity. I love the work you do. (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Um, We've been at it. We, it's now me. We talked a little bit before we started taping. I had two great podcasting partners um, in the past. I'm I'm doing it on my own now, which I kind of doubled the workload on myself. I'm doing pre-production, post-production, the interviews. So kind of a one-man band in terms of getting this done. But I enjoy every minute of it. And I enjoy meeting people like yourself, Vance. Um, and well, I Paul, think like I, I, I think yeah, what go you're ahead. doing, the people need to hear. The people need more education because there's no schooling for anything to do with money. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? You know, we, we did several podcasts in that, on that in the past. And I was, I'm going to go down the rabbit hole here. I I used to listen to a lot of the financial personalities. So one of my favorite um, was Dave Ramsey and still, still is. Uh, He was the only financial advisor or, or personality at the time who really focused on paying paying your house off that was a big no-no for a lot of financial advisors for a very long time because you know accountants would always say oh you you're going to lose the tax credit you know property taxes you get to write off the mortgage uh money is cheap and and he was the only one that that really resonated with me um you know in terms of but now a lot of financial advisors have moved towards that 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 thinking of making sure you get rid of your mortgage but um so, but yeah, it, it, it's great that we're able to deliver from a financial dad's perspective, all these topics that relate to people and families. And like you said, whether it's 529 plans, the infinite banking strategy that we're going to talk about today. Um, so I really appreciate that, Vance. And I take that as a compliment. So thank you so much for that. Um, well, I, cool. I know that we've talked about on the show before infinite banking. Um, and if you look back on our episodes, I, I, we did do an episode on it. But today we really want to dig into the topic a bit more, the mechanics of it, how it works, the setup strategies, all those different things. But before we jump into that, Vance, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey? Well, yeah, I'm uh, a father of uh, four children. I grew up in uh, Utah. I went to Brigham Young University and uh but I got to Texas as quick as I could. <laughs> and we got here in uh, 1980 and uh, started in the financial arena. Uh, my father 
and I didn't get along personally, except when we were out in the woods hunting and fishing. And then he just, he taught me everything. And I, I still am amazed at the things that he taught me. But one of the things he said was find something you love to do and you'll never have to work a day in your life. Now we've, I've heard that many times <laughs> since then, but I don't know where he got it, but he's the first person that told me that. I love what I do. I have a passion for it, helping people and uh, got into the financial world of money management. And our job there wasn't to be the biggest, but we did want to be the best at what we did. So we did that for a long time. And then I don't know if you've ever had an uh, incident where you just have a life-changing event. Well, that happened to me. I really don't have any claim to fame. My my clients have taught me everything I know. <laughs> so one of the thing, clients came in one day for an annual review, and he brought me in a book, and it just turned my world on end. And it was Arnelton Nash's book, Becoming Your Own Banker. And then the rest was kind of history. I called up the phone number there. Nelson Nash answered the phone. And I asked him to literally tutor me and lead me to the proper people that could do it exactly what he had in the book. It was just mind-blowing. It was the holy grail for me. I'd been looking for it all my life. Very cool. Very cool. And and that's where I think we really want to start, right? Like, in terms of be the bank, what does that term mean? And can you take us through some of the mechanics of of what that's all about. We'll get into the setup in a, in a, in a little bit down further in the interview, but like, tell us a little bit about the history of it and, and be your bank, be the bank and maybe elaborate on that a bit. Well, that is the crux of what we're going to do today. See, our country was very independent. When we settled across the United States, families would go out in the wilderness and they could survive, couldn't they? Yes, absolutely. You know, they, they could survive because they knew the economics of surviving. They were independent. Back before our country was a country, there was a contract that formed the banking equation, the banking function in the United States when there wasn't banks. And that was life insurance contracts that were particular in that the company, the insurance company, was a group of people who would originally got together, formed the company to protect themselves. And it's a mutual company, a participating mutual whole life. And these contracts were actually banking contracts at the beginning of uh, our, our country. And they have survived even when uh, I call it the takeover, the uh, uh, United States lost the war of uh, 1900 to the Federal Reserve, and they've kind of <laughs> taken over things, and they completely eradicated the education out of our school system. I think you'll agree with me, uh, Paul, that uh, there's nothing in our education system where you can learn about money. Nothing yep. at all anymore. And that's really sad, but that has been designed on purpose. Well, how would you like to have had a career of 35, 36 years working really hard for your clients, feeling like you were independent, 
just to find out you're a puppet of the banks. Financial planning is a service of the banking mindset. It points that always the money goes back to the banks, no matter what strategies are out there. And that really got to me and that really tore me up. You see, if we put the banking equation back in our lives, new things happen. Um, let me get into it this way. I don't know. Yeah, if absolutely. We want to? No, no. Uh, I think I think maybe uh, I, I appreciate the, the history on it a little bit. You you mentioned Mr. Nash, maybe uh, a little bit more detail. Like, how did he come up with that with this strategy? I know that you mentioned his book. Yeah. And, what I probably just recommend the very best thing people could do. And, and I promise you, you won't, you'll never feel like you've wasted your money. I always gave a money back guarantee. If I sold people the books, I never gave it away. <laughs> you can get it on Amazon for 10 bucks, mm -hmm. but if you order it through the organization, I think they'll, they'll charge you 20. I've never had to pay anyone back for the book because they always felt like it, it was worth it. R. Nelson Nash was a forester. He grew trees. Now, how long does it take a tree from when you plant it to when you harvest it? It's 40 years. Yeah. And so yeah. They, would, they would do that. And uh, uh, the story in his book is great. I don't want to spend the time here because we're, we're wanting to talk about how this banking can fit in people's lives. But read his story. It's true. He, you know, he, he was a Christian. He believed uh, in a higher being and he was a man of his word. Um, he died just a couple of years ago. And my whole purpose is to push that strategy to other people. Anyone who can practice banking makes the country stronger, not weaker. And it helps fight against what the Federal Reserve is doing. Interesting. So if let, let, so, let's kind of drill into it. So you have a family of four, maybe two working parents, two kids. Yeah, I've you got know. ten grandkids, and yes. <laughs> <laughs> so my whole life has been around my family. I, I I believe family is the most important unit. So yeah, yeah. Let's start with there, and you know they want to start. You know, right now they're they they they're, everything goes through the bank, right? They have their checking accounts, they have their savings accounts, they have four hundred one k plans, they have um, a mortgage. Pretend you know they have a mortgage. Maybe they have a car loan. So you know they're 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 well entrenched. Everything, all roads every month lead to paying the bank, right? So that particular family, if, if they want to be the bank, how do, how do they start to be the bank mechanically? How do they get from point A, where all their money is flowing through the bank, to point okay. B, where they are now the bank? All right. And that's a lot to ask, Vance, but I'd <laughs> love is. to hear your, and, and, your opinion and, and, and on that. We can only hit bullet points uh, really today, but there's places to go to really find out if, if people are interested. But anyway, we talked about this banking contract with this insurer carriers. It's only the setup where to hold money. How would you like to have a place where you could store money and that every day it's more valuable than it was the day before? You can't do that in banks because of inflation. You lose ground if you leave money in, in a bank. Okay. And they've designed that on purpose. But if you store money until you can put it to work, and there's a definition. Let's talk about money at work. Mm. And this is all about banking. 
See, we don't have a clue how banks really make money. I know that because I have 27 branch presidents as clients doing self-banking, and they don't have a clue how their bank makes money. So isn't that interesting? interesting? That is that is. They do a job. They're they're salaried. They're you know they're career people, and they have a responsibility. Okay, and that's what they do. That they're not the owners. Okay, but this contract lets you put money, and it gives you priority access because the contract makes you an owner of the life insurance carrier. And as you populate your account as you capitalize it it's like a business you don't you're not going to have a hundred percent you know access to the money you're putting in your business usually a business won't make a profit till five years incidentally the business corporate market takes that um, profit scale from life insurance i don't know if you knew that or not no, I did not know that. <laughs> you know, out of, uh, you know, the average break up, uh, even or profit point is five years, you know, on a new business, anywhere from three to seven. Okay. But these contracts um, allow you access to money against the money you have in your bank. We never borrow. People, a lot of times, are mistaken when they think they borrow their cash value, they don't. They borrow the cash reserves of the life insurance carrier against their cash value. It's 100% collateralized. And so that money in that account keeps on earning. You borrow the cash reserves, you're an owner of the company, so you don't want to hurt the profits of the company. So you're going to pay interest against profits and guaranteed uh, results. We can get into that more and more uh, later on, but where we're trying to go here is how to set up and put the banking equation in your life. If you'll fund that, Nelson in his book says we finance every single thing we purchase. I grew up with my mentors and everyone around me that told me that the very best way in life and the cheapest way to get through things was to pay cash. You yes. know what? That's false. That is not only wrong, it's 180 hmm. degrees wrong. We finance everything we do because if we take cash and pay for something, we took it out of production. It's not working for us. We're going to lose the interest we could have made on those dollars for the rest of our lives. The only other way to do it is borrow from somebody else and pay them interest. <laughs> so we're financing. Well, we can capitalize on that. If we set up a system, just like a grocery store, many people are mistaken when they think, oh, man, I wish I was the grocery store owner. I could have all my groceries free. You know, that's not true. Hmm. One can of peas stolen from a grocery store take 23 cans sold to make up for one stolen can of peas. Did you know that? I did not know that. That's and very interesting. If, yeah, if the spouse goes out the back door with the groceries, then other people think they're entitled, and that grocery store will fail. And he points out such eloquently in his little book why nine out of ten startup companies fail within the first ten years, as they steal from themselves. 
Well, I'm here to introduce today a concept and an idea that the banks have worked really hard to get rid of. Remember these pilgrims and uh, people um, going out uh, to, you know, do uh, uh, what? Colonize the West, we're going to call it. You know, the, mm-hmm. our whole country at the beginning. They were completely independent. They knew how to survive. They created their own units. They created their own towns. They created whatever else. Putting the banking equation is recognizing that you, as an independent family, are an economy. Most people have never heard of that. And I call an economy like, you know what? When you left home and went out on your own, you were supposed to go out into the wilderness and start your own town. People have never heard of that, but that's what Hmm. we're talking about here inside your own family unit is your economy. Inside of a little town, a town attracts new money. If I go to a town and I fill up with gas and I put $50 uh, in that, that town now has a new $50, doesn't it? Mm, And it just sold ten dollars or fifty dollars worth of gas well now that gas station can take that fifty dollars over to the grocery store and they can put the fifty dollars in grocery and get fifty dollars worth of groceries right now the grocery store just sold fifty dollars worth the grocery store could take it over to the doctor's office and pay his bill at the doctor's office and that fifty dollars is designed to go all over town isn't it it is it's the same $50. But every time it stops, you get a new dollar's worth of product or services. Did you know we can do that in our own economy if we recognize and set it up? Yeah. And that's where I think, and this is, I'm going to dive into a little bit deeper, right? So when I first started out in, you know, I graduated college and I, I, we did a whole podcast on this many years ago. Um, but basically, uh, you know, I was living paycheck to paycheck. You hear that a lot across the country, mm-hmm. right? You, you hear this paycheck to paycheck phrase all the time. And and I won't bore everyone with the story, but if you listen back to the to, to the pay yourself first episode, that's where I learned to, you know, put a little bit of money away each week. And, and now years and years later, um, you know, being able to be ahead of that paycheck, right? And being ahead of that. And that that's kind of my question here is, it, is there a chicken and egg where you have to have a certain amount of money saved before you become your own bank? Or can you do it with zero dollars up front? I, that, and to me, that's where I'm trying to just understand the infinite banking concept. Do you need a level of, of money in order to put in there before you start? Well, to answer that question, anyone in any circumstance under any financial condition can start their own banking concept. They just have to start. You just mentioned a couple of things that you did. Did you know there's three components to make the war of financial money success happen? And everybody knows about them and they consciously choose not to do them. But you mentioned one that you're doing. It's called the 10% rule. You're paying yourself first right off the top, right? Yes. If you don't do that, it's impossible to get ahead. Okay. The banks don't want you getting ahead. Okay. The second rule, 
And I think this, uh, everybody's going to, you know, have a maybe a light turn on or get an aha moment. You can never, ever spend principle. Well, everybody goes, oh, wait a minute. You know, that's impossible because your take-home money is principle. And you have to spend it to live, right? Yes. Well, let me tell you the solution we've made to all of our clients. We show them how to get back. 100% of their monthly expenses every single month. Now, if you can get your expenses back, would you be spending principal? The answer is right. no. no. The answer is no. But it's not yes. the way people are oriented or thinking today. Just let me ask you this. Do the banks always get the money back? And the answer is yes. And they yes. get your money. Okay. We only get to spend a dollar one time and it's gone forever. That doesn't seem fair. Now what we have that? to go back to work, right? Yes. Because we got to replace it. So that's economy. We're still, we still have to do that. But what is missing is the banking component. What if we deposit the money that's coming in into our banking system first? And then we lend it out to the guy in the mirror looking back at us so that he can pay his bills. So if he's bringing in $8,000 a month and he decides, okay, this month to pay all my bills is going to take 6000 So he borrows $6,000 out of his bank and he pays his bills. And although that money has now gone away from him, how is he going to pay that loan off if he borrows it? I guess it would be the see everybody well, he, when, yeah everybody yeah, starts I, I thinking know. you know yeah. he the guy in the mirror has to goes back to work doesn't he yes and That's at the, the end of the month he's going to bring in a new eight thousand dollars but the way we set it up the first six thousand sixty dollars pays off that debt did the bank mm. get the money back and the answer is yes that's the bank banking system that puts money to work and gets it back and grows. Okay. The commerce out here, the $6,000 is at the beginning going away. I'm at a position now where 70% of that monthly expense is actually being paid back to my bank because my bank owns that debt. So on cars or anything else like that, it's really, really interesting. I think we could share, if you'd like, why lending companies lend money. It isn't from interest rate returns. A lot of we're so indoctrinated and brainwashed that we should chase interest rates, and it's the absolute, again, it's not only wrong, it's 180 degrees wrong. Let me give you an example. I waited mm -hmm. until I had two car, two vehicles, and uh, the payment was with uh, Bank of America. Uh, payment uh, payoff got down to $10,000. I was paying $500 a month, and the interest rate was 8.5%. So we have the three numbers, $10,000 payoff, 500 a month, 8.5% interest. The Vance Lowe Lending Institution would buy that debt in a heartbeat. Why? Why am I so interested in buying that debt? Do you know? Well, I guess it, well, 
you could you could you could finance it yourself at a lower rate. Would that be well? The, yeah, you could reason? do that. Everybody says though. Well, guys, that's a good place to pick up eight and a half percent on your money. Mm. But what if I? I it wouldn't change my motivation to buy the debt if it was zero. So now I've only got two numbers that are you know I'm working with. It's the payment. Interesting. Okay, it's five hundred. I've got to buy the debt, so I got to put ten thousand dollars to work, right? Now I have coming in $500 a month. So over the first year, that's $6,000, isn't it? Yes. Five times 12, 6,000. You take the annual volume of payments divided by the money at work. That is a 60% volume rate of return. Is that high enough? <laughs> I would say so. And I would guess say what? So. It's tax-free. There's no taxable events. How long would you like that to last? So a lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not about it's not about getting the $10,000 back. It's about getting all the money back on your cars that you've ever paid. So as long as you can afford in your budget that $500, you keep getting more money back and over 5 years 6 times 5 that's 30,000 bucks, right? Wow, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Now that's yes. that's financial planning. That's what a financial planner do. I haven't even touched on the banking yet. Now let me introduce the power of banking. Well, I do want to ask you one question before you jump yeah. into the power of banking. Before you mentioned three three pillars or three areas, right? The ten percent uh -huh. rule. What was the third? You had oh, mentioned all three. So, okay, good, good. Because I want to make sure. Well, that was uh, that was one of the things for but, everyone to know yeah. because these are conscious decisions that people know they're supposed to do and they choose not to do them. So we talked about Got the it. first two, but let's go yep. back into this. The yep, power absolutely. of banking comes in. What do banks do with that six thousand dollars? They give it to others, right? They loan it no, out. They lend it others. out. Yeah, they lend it out. So if you take the six thousand. And you, now you start buying more debt. Let's talk about your mortgage. Let's talk about your other vehicles. Let's talk about your student loans, your credit card debt. Now I've got the $6,000. i am going to go buy more debt. And did you know that 60% volume ret return is midpoint of what we're seeing? So it could be upwards of that. Oh, I've got people over 100%. Yeah. Okay. And it's, it's it's the mind games, but it's really fun to do. But let's now there's thirty two hundred dollars in year two plus six thousand. And you take the six thousand buy more debt and you've added a second thirty two hundred dollars. So instead of thirty thousand dollars, would you be happier with sixty six thousand dollars at the end of five years? And we haven't even mentioned interest rates yet, have we? It's yeah, in there, we have not talked and, about and, and we're going to take it. But that's it's called it's the volume of money returning and putting it to work. It's not the interest rate. Hmm. Okay, the interest rate there is for some, uh, you know, protection and risk a little bit. But the volume of using and getting more money is absolutely amazing, and we can do that in our own lives. Literally, almost every single client over the last eighteen years. I discovered Nelson's book uh, in 2008, 
And I immediately told my partner, hey, you know that day I told you it would come when I brought you into the business? It's here. And he looked at me and he knew exactly. I said, <laughs> you're buying me out. I'm, I'm gone. I found, I found out what I'm looking for. So we can do the same thing. And it's not complicated. I'm probably the most complicated client I know. And it mm -hmm. doesn't take me 30 minutes a month to run this whole strategy. But we have to recognize that we are a client of our own system and we're the owners and the investors. So to lay that all out, we can't do that today, but I, I hope I'm sharing with people some incentive that money's not what we think it is. In Nelson Nash's book, he says, it's not so much what you don't know about money that's hurting you. It's all about what you think you know about money that's incorrect. Now, I also said, um, and I think we got off topic, most of our clients end up owning their mortgage. Notice I'm not saying they've paid off the mortgage, which they've done, but they've woken up their own assets and purchased their mortgage, and now that payment's coming in uh, to them, and it usually takes, on the average, five years to get yeah, all so, of that, and they, they didn't change a thing. They didn't yeah. make extra payments. They didn't do that. They bought it, so, you know, step by step. Yep, and I think that when I, I've talked to others about this concept, I always point out that it is not a get-rich-quick scheme, right? It is a way of, of like you said, putting, putting, putting the bank in place, and then over time, you know, after – one year, it's, two yeah, years, five this years, thing ten is years. Perpetual. This is yeah. how all the rich families do it. You know, if we had the time, I could lay out the Rockefeller plan because I've, I've I've touched on it right now because this is it. All the really wealthy families out there have practiced this for eons, and they just pass it down. Did you know that I've got it set up so that when I'm gone, the death benefits on those contracts will fund my great-grandkids' new policies. Interesting. And it will be owned by the family bank. And there's no inheritance. I, In order to get my kids' attention, I had to tell them, hey, you're disinherited. That got their attention. I said, all the money's <laughs> in the family bank, and I will give you access to borrow it, and you have to pay it back, and you have to run it. So you have to learn how. That got them involved. Okay? So. Yeah. You know, it's just so exciting. I've spent 18 years now just eating, living, and breathing this concept. And I think I've only touched the surface. Yeah, no, absolutely. My, yeah, my yeah, clients have come in, and what we now have to offer people was the things they needed. I actually, I was smart enough to put them on the board of directors. You know, my, my, yes. my, good, my good clients <laughs> right at the beginning. And I had Nelson Nash come out. And he actually teaches his book. That's what he created the book for. It was a two-day workshop. And I had him come out and brought all the clients in and, um, you know, kind of the rest is history. But uh, it's just, it's so phenomenal when people start looking at it. I could do this. There is no risk. There's no market risk. There's no economy risk. The only risk you face in self-banking is that guy looking back at you in the mirror? Is he going to be honest and pay you back or not? Yeah. Okay. Yep. 
And where, where do we store our money? On the safe, in the safest place on the planet. Life insurance companies. There has never been in the history of the world a safer place than life insurance carriers. So that's, you know, that's not a quick, you know, get rich type of thing at all. You know, we, we were going to go on a topic of why we should have crypto in our banks. You know, um, there's good reasons for that. We'll, mm-hmm. Maybe we'll hit that on an, another one. But uh, guys, if if you are willing to learn something new, uh, here's how I usually introduce it, because usually one of the spouses get involved. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, if you're going to learn this, I'm going to teach you how to speak Martian. <laughs> they laugh at me. <laughs> I said, if I teach you how to speak Martian, who are you going to be able to communicate with? It's that alien is what I'm trying to say. Mm. This is a whole new way of looking at money. And Nelson Nash's book, one of the five laws he has in there, use it or lose it. If you learn a new system, you have to switch over to it. So it's like breaking a habit. You can't yep. stop a habit unless you replace it with something first. Okay, it's impossible. You can't have a void. You can't have a hole. This is why, like smokers, if they don't convert into something else, okay, a habit to take their minds and their body and the control, they end up smoking again at some point. You can go for a little while, but it's just almost impossible to to go a long time. That's interesting. Yeah, and, and one of the questions I had, and, and this is one of the things, you know, when I was prepping for the show and we were sharing notes back and forth, um, you're, we were talking about the 401k. And, and, oh, yeah. And, and I know we could probably talk a little bit about that here. Um, the, the, and this is, once again, this is just like ELI 5, explain it to me like I'm five kind of moment. You know, if my firm is going to give me, you know, a matching up to, you know, a certain amount, you know, several thousand per year, whatever that is, um, should, do you advise that people still dump their 401k completely? Um, or is there a reason why, yeah, what is the reasoning behind not participating in a company 401k and just taking that money and putting it into your own bank? Okay. And remind me to make sure we get the third step. But here's yes. why. The father of 401ks, the guy who invented 401ks and got it passed in, you know, less than two years ago said, guys, this is dead. Get out of it. Um, if he put it in and now he's saying get out of it, there's reasons not to be there. I just proved to people that if you wake your money up, you can two and a half times it every five years, like the automobile loan. It went from $10,000 up to sixty-six in five years. That's doubling it two and a half times from 10 to 20, from 20 to 40, and from 40, it should go to 80, but we ended up at 66. That's two and a half times. The people who have your accounts, the stocks, the mutual fund companies, um, any place that you have to have an account, to you, that money is completely asleep. Now, we've been talked into thinking that it's working for us. It's not. You can't control it. You can't use it. It has to stay in that account in order to earn any type of gain, and you have to take the risk. 
the people who are taking the money, they've got it awake, and they're going to two and a half times it on you. They're not going to pay you that. They're going to pay mm. as little as they can get away with. Same with the 401ks. When people understand this, they think, oh, gosh, I've got this money in a 401k. I'm, I'm moving jobs. Do I put it back in the 401k? What do I do with it? If I pull it out, I'd have to pay taxes and penalties. Congress has gotten to the point that no professionals can advise people to pull money out. And a lot of the institutions, uh, insurance companies and everything else are not allowed to do certain things because it tells you the government has earmarked that money. We call it the confiscation bills by Pelosi back when Obama was first put in. <laughs> they were passed, and now you don't hear anything more on Social Security, you know, and it's always on the edge, but they have a sure-up bill. They can confiscate all qualified accounts, again, you know, to try to sure up Social Security. It's kind of like the Dodd-Frank Act. Dodd-Frank Act changed ownership of all bank accounts. Instead of bailouts, it's bail-ins now by the clients. Hmm. They get to get in because the accounts belong to the bank, your checking, your savings, anything the banks have in on account is theirs. You have equity in the bank if they choose to convert it. People don't know that, and they're so close to folding right now. So, mm. Mm. All you, right. you, Yeah, you mentioned the third pillar, right? Yeah, the third, last third pillar component. here is working off of a well-designed financial plan. When people want to look at this, we say, okay, if you'll read Nelson's book, we'll let you take it for a test drive. <laughs> we've got analysis. We've got software. If they'll put their numbers in, we'll show them very conservatively what it'll do over eight years without any growth. This is just math without growth, okay? Because I, I believe in true comparisons. I hate illustrations, by the way. So it will do that. And... It'll show them what to do month by month for that eight-year period. And they like that. They, This is where they make their decision. Oh, gosh, you know, I'm better off with this in my life. Or this is too complicated. I just want to sit out on the porch with my can of beer, and I'll go to work every day, and I'm a happy camper. So I don't know. <laughs> that is the third thing. 10% rule, never spend principal and work and live off of a well-designed financial plan that is updated regularly. People just won't do it. If you do those three things, you can fall over backwards and still succeed. That's great. No, that's great advice. And, <laughs> and I think, like you said, you know, we'll, we'll have to have another, I'd love to have you back on the show and we'll have to come up with some additional topics that we can sure. talk through. But let, let's um, narrow them to topics because if we can just do yeah a little topic, then we can really get in and people can just really see what this will do. We could go into like financing cars. I know that was on our list to try to get to. Guys, folks, if you knew how to finance one car, it would put a million dollars in your retirement account. And you didn't do anything different. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. That's great. No, we definitely will do that. And <laughs> one of the questions I definitely wanted to ask you, which is completely off topic, was... You, you've been at this for a very long time. You mentioned, you know, you have your four kids, 11 grandkids, um, you know, and you have, how do you balance over the years? How have you been able to balance family and your business, right? Because it, it 
you, you've been independent for a very long time, uh, financially, you know, self-sustaining. How do you make that all work? How do you fit that all in as a dad and now granddad, right? How do you make this all work? I'd love to hear that because I'm not there yet, but I would love to hear at least you know, your take on it or, or a piece of advice that could help others when it comes to that. Well, many years ago, I decided I was not going to be part of the herd mentality. So I never work five days a week. I work four, and now I only work three, Monday through Wednesday. And then the other four days are I have a ranch and I do all kinds of things. The secret also is you have to have a fantastic spouse you know, that supports you and, uh, and helps you. But you also have to be a dedicated father. I had three sons and one daughter. And this does hurt just a little bit. I became a scoutmaster because <laughs> I wanted my boys to get into the scouting program and become Eagle Scouts because that's a fantastic leadership program. We didn't have one. So I learned how I was a scoutmaster for, I don't know, and put, I don't know, 75, 80 kids got their Eagles while I was scoutmaster of about 10 year period of time. And you know what, when that was over, my daughter came up to me and said, dad, I'm a little bit resentful. You spent so much time with my brothers. And I said, well, let me make it up to you now. I'll spend all that time with you for the rest of the period. So, <laughs> you know, it's hard. You're learning because, you know, you don't get a book of instructions as a dad. But that's how I do that. I, I care about family more than anything else. And I want them to succeed and grow. Uh, most of us get lost in our profession, if that's the case. And you've seen it go that way, and it literally destroys families. But uh, this, this is a good balance. You've got to put, you know, uh, money on the table. But I just, I'm a happy guy. I, I pretty much love everything that I do. I don't have a lot of stress in my life. So when I switched to uh, um, this concept 18 years ago, it has just been amazing ride. And all the clients, all the people that have, have been able to be affected by it, that's the payoff for me. That really is. Oh, that's great. That's great. And and I think with that, we'll, we'll start to wrap up. And the three things I jotted down, I have a glass top desk with an expo marker. So I just write <laughs> and I, I have all kinds of whiteboards, but I found out I could just write on my desk. So the three things that I took away is one, I, I think I finally have to buy the Nash book. I've heard it. I, I, I am ashamed. I don't own it. I, I think I'm going to have to go out and get it and check it out. And I'm going to check it out. Like I said, I'll, I'll probably get it on Amazon per your advice. Just order it there. Um, I liked your advice to the three pillars, right? Where you should be able to stand up. If you just follow these three concepts, you'll be successful financially. And, and I, I love the, um, you know, your explanation around, being, you know, uh, balancing the family and the and, and the work-life balance. I think that's key. And there's a lot of little nuggets in there that I'm going to have to re-listen to. Um, so I almost want to say that your your final thoughts on family are, are just as important today as all the financial information you gave us. So thank you for that. We really oh, appreciate it. Welcome. Um, so with that, Vance, I want to let you kind of have the last word. And where can people find you? You know, folks, money is something that doesn't buy happiness, but the misuse of money can cause a lot of misery. 
And let's not be mistaken thinking, well, if I have to spend a dollar, I have to go earn another dollar to replace it. That's a fallacy. It costs the workers at least $2, self-employed people up to $10 just to spend one. So there's a better way with money. To find out anything you want and, and, and the right way to do it, we have a website. We got free stuff on there. We've got a book you can download. We've got an eight-year analysis. You can take this for a test drive. The place to reach us for all our podcasts and everything else is privatebankingstrategies.com. Okay, privatebankingstrategies.com. Just go there and, you know, I don't know how much interest you have. Just, you know, you can, there's a lot of stuff there. And my takeaway is my goal in life is to be able to provide the strategy as a learning tool for our future generations. So we have created a learning center and people can join that learning center and every single aspect that we have learned so far that we've, we have recorded and put in there and documented, and people can literally learn how to do stuff on their own. Very cool. Very Thank cool. you, Paul. I really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, no, th- well, Vance, I thoroughly enjoyed our discussion today. I'm looking forward to our next one. So everyone Great. stay tuned. Um, thanks, everyone, for downloading our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at financialdads at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook. Just go to financialdads.com. So with that, this is Paul reminding you, managing finances can be stressful, but that's why the financial dads are here to help you plan for success. Have a good one, everybody. Be well, and thank you.